0: Whether I'm turkey hunting, scouting, or glassing for game, I never go into the woods without my Vortex Optics. With their VIP warranty, I can go with confidence because they'll replace any glass damaged in the woods. I dropped my binoculars out of the deer stand last fall, and Vortex got me fixed up and back in the tree in no time. Vortex makes the highest quality and affordable rangefinders, binoculars, and scopes on the market. Y'all check them out at vortexoptics.com.
1: I think at the end of it, um, you know, what I get from it, if you submit that form and you send it in, that tells me you want to excel and at least you want to grow as an archer. At least you want to have the means to grow as an archer because if you can only reach the level your bow is, there's no, the bow's a machine. There's no excuse that it can't achieve perfection.
2: You're listening to the Ozark Podcast, presented by Inland. We sit down with men and women from the Ozarks have a passion for the outdoors. Our aim is to listen, learn, and pass along their knowledge and experiences to help you become a better outdoorsman. Thanks for listening. I'm your host, Kyle B. What's up, everybody? Just wanted to take a minute to let y'all know a few things before we get to the episode. If y'all are enjoying the first couple of episodes and are excited about hearing our new episodes released each week, make sure you're subscribed and following the podcast on whatever platform you're listening on. Also, if you want to support the show, there's two things you can do that would really help us out. One, of course, leaving the podcast a nice review goes a long way and helps people find us. And if you leave us a five-star review screenshot it and send it to us via email we'll send you a free Ozark podcast sticker in the mail just to say thanks the second thing you can do to support the show is to go check out our Patreon website the link is in the show notes and we've got lots of cool stuff for y'all over there if you sign up for the White River Club you'll be able to watch the raw and uncut full length video episodes with each of our guests you'll get exclusive discounts on all of our merch and we'll send you a new and unique Ozark inspired sticker every single month On top of that, we'll even give you a shout out on our next episode. So there's lots of stuff there for y'all to interact with us and for us to interact with you. And of course, always feel free to reach out. Now, let's get to the episode. Okay, we are back. Today, you've got Kyle and Adam on the mic, as always, and we are joined by our very special guest of the day, owner and co-founder of Ozark Archery in Fayetteville, Arkansas, Mr. Devin Halland. Devin, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thanks for having me, guys. Excited to be here.
2: Absolutely. Um, we are here a, back at Adam's house, yep. so thanks for having us, yeah. Adam again. And um, one of these days, we, we want to have a studio one day where we can really make it easy on people and invite people over to our place, kick back, mm-hmm. have a couple beers, just have a good conversation. We're not quite there, so a, a lot of the times we go to people. Um, sometimes we have them come to us, just whatever works out best um, for the day, so... Uh, We want to have you back on in the future when we have our studio and we can just kind of hang out and take it easy.
1: Hey, I'm running a business out of some guy's mansion's garage, so (laughs) I get it. Okay,
2: (laughs) So you know where we're coming from. Um, So we're excited to talk with you. Um, We've been, Adam and I have kind of been going back and forth talking about finding some time to meet with you, trying to connect with you um, over the last couple Mm of weeks or so. I've been really excited for this this episode. Yeah, Adam actually found you through Instagram. Yeah. you want to tell tell everybody how you found out? Yeah, about I don't Adam? even know how, but
0: on Instagram, I I seen one of your posts, can't remember what it was, but made me click on your page, and I was just intrigued, and I was like, we got to have this guy on the podcast. Um, just super in detail, bow technician, you know, bow hunter, public land hunter, and I don't know, you just have a lot of really good insight that I think a lot of people would want to hear.
2: Yeah, yeah, I think so too and i was actually um i know you just launched your your uh, your website in the last couple days really you right. said about a month ago but you didn't tell everybody about it until right just yesterday right
1: absolutely okay absolutely well
2: it looks great Thanks. i mean i was looking at it today it looks great i learned a lot from from it and got some of my ideas for what we could talk about tonight from there but um so far so good looks good <laughs> um so to give our, our listeners just a short and simple intro of what Ozark Archery is, mm-hmm. your business, um, I kind of I grabbed a little tagline off your website. It says, Ozark Archery is Northwest Arkansas's only archery shop specializing in super tuning. Correct. So now, before we get into the weeds of like what super tuning is and going down that rabbit hole, um, maybe if you could just start with like a little backstory of who you are yeah. and then just how you got started in bow hunting and even like working on bows.
1: Absolutely. My name is Devin Howland. I moved to Fayetteville, Arkansas about five years ago now. Okay. and moved up here to serve as the City of Fayetteville's Economic Development Director, which is my day job, which is, you know, really also my dream job. I love what I do, and I really enjoy you working in a place that's growing this fast. You like mm-hmm. to think, and I do economic development, so commercial real estate development, but all the way down to, you know, when HBO was doing True Detective here, I was on the, okay. I was on the incentive package to try and hook them mm, in. Cool. That's cool. Uh, I remember when that was
2: going on, we were— I was like a junior or a senior in college at the U of A and that was happening and some of my friends were like, We're gonna go try out to be
1: extras. <laughs> hey. It was great and you know, lots of stuff. Um during the pandemic I deployed our what we call our outdoor freshman area. It's one of the largest public drinking districts in the country and no one knows, but that's the magic of it. It's it's become a norm now if you're in downtown Fayetteville, you can walk around with a beer in your hand. And that was done by design. We didn't want it to be special. But I do a lot of random stuff, and I can truly say I've never done the same thing twice in my five years. But we moved up here to take this job, and I didn't have access to land. So I grew up hunting. You know, my grandfather, I'm very fortunate, um, has always had a lot of timber, him and uh, my uncle. So we had – we were actually – this is awkward, but we were members of a deer club, at least the property they owned, and so they were. Um, and we had some parcels around it, and still do, that um, were just family held or privately owned that we kept or, and they kept, um, so that we wouldn't always we'd have a separate place to go if right. we needed it. Right. And it was great. And I did grow up going to the Deer Woods my whole life, um, from the time I was probably five years old. But I, you notice I say going to the Deer Woods, I didn't say hunting. I wasn't hunting. I was hoping. I was hoping something crossed the lane. I was hoping a deer would come to a feed pile. I was hoping I would see one okay. out of a stationary, I'm sorry. And I don't, you know, that, it's an it's an opinion, people. It's not, you know, the gospel, but I don't view that as hunting. That's hoping. <laughs> I didn't start hunting until, I'm not even going to say five years ago, because when I started public land hunting up here, I didn't know what I was doing.
2: Right. And <laughs>
1: my seasons were evident of that. <laughs> but, you know, the past three years, now that we've, you know, we're figuring out how to hunt these hills. You can't take me away. I will not leave. And so up here when we did that, I lost my bow shop. And I was using uh, Jody, who runs the archery division at Max Prairie Wings in Stuttgart. Okay. And I trust Jody a lot. He's a great bow technician. Um, my first year here, I actually drove to Stuttgart from Fayetteville to have new strings put on my bow. Really? So. Huh? Wow. I was, well, I was either that impressed with Jody or <laughs> anyway, I'm, I'm going to be nice <laughs> tonight. Um, <laughs> and so, um And so when I went to upgrade my bow, when the verdicts came out, I was like, oh, that's slick, and uh, hit a bunch of the shops here. And when I say shops, I'm talking everything from the border all the way out to Oklahoma down to Fort Smith. Okay. And just looking at this corridor didn't find really what I was after yeah. and mm-hmm. uh, decided to set out buy bow press and the rest has been history. It was, was not supposed to be this. I was just doing it because I had a bad left tear out of an arrow and I needed a press to fix it mm. because when I went to the shop and said, I need you to do this, I was told I was wrong and mm. yeah. I haven't gone back except for to buy a bow since.
2: Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. I I totally get where you're coming from because um, you know, things happen and as an archer, a compound bow is a technical piece of machinery, equipment. And there's a lot of things, especially when you're just getting into bow hunting. Because um, I'm, I'm very new to bow hunting too. And I th- I bought my bow about three or four years ago and have really only hunted it pretty hard the last two years. And I've, in the last um, last couple months, I was shooting it and I actually shot a deer um, in December. And I noticed that the the shot that I put on that deer, on that buck... I killed that buck, but I noticed it. And when I thought back about the shot in my head, my air was spiraling the whole way.
1: Do a barrel roll. To the buck. As they mm-hmm. say in that old Star Fox game.
2: Okay. <laughs> I don't know that one. Me either. Sorry. You do. There you go. He, Daniel does. The old
1: N64 game, Star Fox. Right.
2: I know of Star Fox, but I don't uh-huh. know the, the barrel roll comment. But anyways, I, it was something that... I've been now like I've had that happen before, and I thought I got it fixed, but then it happened that day, and I still even to this point to this day I don't know if it was me, if it was my bow, and I would just like to you know figure out how to get things tuned at least to where I can know if it's me, it's me, so be it, right? You know, and then I can work on that. But it, it is frustrating when you can't find a place to go, and so it sounds like that was kind of like the inspiration where you're like, I I need help with this, and I. Just got to do it myself, I guess. Right. Is that basically what you're saying?
1: Absolutely. And, you know, I really, and what am I, you know, if somebody looks back and says, Devon, what do you, how do you find success on this looking back in a few years? If I can inspire more people to go in together, I mean, y'all are a great example group to buy a press. That's what we did. You know, I took, I paid for 50% of it. And then I had two other friends that kicked in. Yeah. And I've since, I need to buy them out. That's a good reminder. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> Real uh, quick, how much is, I guess, an average yeah. bow press. So I use a uh, Last Chance Archery is probably the premier name in all archery equipment. And okay. so I use an Easy Green Press, and okay. I paid, I think we paid $400 for that bow press. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Pretty affordable. Yeah, that's not too bad. Oh, no. And, uh, you know, you can get by with, without a saw and stuff like that. I didn't buy a saw until last week. And all these orders, <laughs> and I saw, and I said, I don't want to make that matrix to Southtown. Absolutely love those guys. I love that business. Yeah, Southtown's That's a where I was place. going. Yeah. And I just... My time value, and I was like, this is going to pay for itself in gas after two clients. So, yeah, yeah.
2: Anyway. Speaking of clients, um, so you've, you've just, I know you just launched a website, but since you got started doing Ozark Archery, maybe how long have you been doing that? And then um, how many people, how many clients have you had since you've kind of gotten started and has it started to pick up or
1: what are you seeing? Absolutely. So this will be year three with the press. The first year was just me and my buddies that used it. And even then, to say we fully knew what we were doing, we still don't. I learn something every single time I'm on that press, and the key is to write it down if you do learn something. And uh, so last year I did nine. Okay. This year I just opened up. I just opened up orders last night, as you talked about. Yeah. And I just had random people, you know, messaging me going, "I want in," and I had 21 at the launch, and I finished one this weekend, and so it was 22. And I just opened. And so if you say you signed up, um, that's three more from last night. Yeah, so
2: I signed up, I think I signed up today. So if you mm. haven't looked at it today, you may have had even more coming in.
1: Yeah. And um, I'll, I'll get around checking that tomorrow. Be patient with us if you have. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> the key is we only have a limited amount of time. Right. I will stop doing what we do in September. I hunt too. And right. So I don't, um, I'm not going to let procrastination keep me from a tree. Or I will, but that's an expensive right. expensive line item if somebody wants to do that. So. Yeah, yeah, for sure.
0: I remember you mentioning to me uh, the other day that you get bows from outside of the area. People, Do they ship them in to you? Yeah. Do they bring them down to you?
1: And Ship them in. I'm actually okay. now, um, once I finish this round, I will have clients from 13 different states. That's crazy. Yeah.
2: That's do you know these people wild. or do they? All on Instagram. Really? That's how they oh. find you? Yeah. What, what do most people ask when they say, when they reach out to you, what do most people want or what are they looking for?
1: <laughs> Their answers are pretty much the same. And I kind of need to modify my question on what are your goals and outcomes because they're just ripping it from the website. They want, they want perfect air yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I think at the end of it, um, you know, what I get from it, if you submit that form and you send it in, That tells me you want to excel or at least you want to grow as an archer. At least you want to have the means to grow as an archer because if you can only reach the level your bow is, there's no the bow's a machine. Mm -hmm. There's no excuse that it can't achieve perfection. You cannot. And so, you know, I'd have a two-part equation. I at least want one part to be perfect so I know if I do my job, it does its. Yeah, yeah. And so that's the main thing I get is perfect arrow flight. A lot of it, too, you know, fixed-blade broadheads have been – really rising these past few years, Troy Fowler, that's the real name of Ranch Ferry. for those of you familiar with I know with Ranch him. Fairy, yep. Um, I do not do Ranch Ferry's methods. Ranch Fairy, even yet you have to understand about Troy's angle was he was talking and designing a system for the guy that does not have a press, and it works. I've got mm. test kits if anybody wants to play with it. Yeah. You keep stacking weight until you either weaken that arrow or stiffen taking it away stiffening that arrow till it can achieve perfect bear shaft flight Mm -hmm. same thing we're doing but i would rather identify okay i want a 530 grain arrow i want it to hopefully achieve i don't care about speed i do not have a chrono i never will buy one it doesn't matter yeah and what i you know one of the everybody's got pet peeves one of mine is you know the people that care about speed the kick they can't put four arrows in a pie plate at forty yards. Come on, that's just as bad as color coordinating your bow. I know that just triggers some people, but <laughs> that's how people. That's actually how um, some of my um, some of my friends. <laughs> when I get new clients, and they'll tell them, talk about color coordination. They, Devin loves that. And we're just like, oh, and and I guess I should first.
0: I shouldn't have complimented your uh, bow strings uh, when you came in here. Then,
1: <laughs> and so <laughs> so, so white anyway, um, and so yeah, that's the main thing. But at the at the beginning, what I will say, a common theme is. Folks don't know what exactly they're going to get um, from the big times. You know, I, you know. I tell people if I can fix your draw length, I can change your life, yeah. and I mean that. You yeah. know, a lot of these bows, draw lengths, the number one deciding factor, and it has to be perfect. And you know, we're going to walk with that person, and we're going to shorten until plumb float gets erratic, and then we're going to lengthen until we stop figuring it around the bullseye, and we're starting to see big swoops. We know, go back. Mm-hmm. that's how we set stabilizers too we're monitoring okay. pen float okay and so the draw length enhancements but people just want to shoot better and they see all this done on TV they don't want to lose deer you know I think a lot of people are shifting to fixed blades and because of troy and folks like the hunting public and others that are inspiring others to go to this but right you know I see a guy shoot a deer with a rage and i will call that out and it goes in four inches and they turn to the camera and say smoked him smoked him no you didn't <laughs> call the dog yeah. um so anyway
2: yeah that's cool well i can already tell i'm gonna really enjoy this conversation yeah. um this is like right up my alley oh, <laughs> daniel I already brought wow. you we got all you total. another beer right there we got a waiter
0: a producer yeah an n64 guy we're rolling <laughs> daniel's in the
2: back by the way daniel does it all our producer daniel he does it all he's reloading us with beers right now yeah um cool yeah so I'm, I'm excited to talk with you um real quick before we get into uh, other things um i love this quote from your website um another thing i'm taking from your website it says no other archery shop in northwest arkansas offers the services we do nor can they match our results correct i love that and obviously that's a that's a bold claim but generally speaking how do you back that up what what makes you different on a general level
1: um than other bow shops I would just challenge somebody that challenged that claim to say, go into the bow shop and then come to me. Who gave you more time? Mm -hmm. Who paid attention to more details? It's not profitable to do what I do at a retail archery shop. Mm -hmm. And that's not knocking the model. I mean, that's a statement of fact. There are very few bow shops in the country that, you know, one that comes to mind, uh, the Bow Rack in Oregon, Eugene, Oregon, specifically. Lots of big names. You know, they built Joe Rogan's bow for this year. It's where Cam Haynes' home shop is. If uh, you're familiar with uh, Inside Out Precision on Instagram, he's got a great YouTube channel. That's his home. That's where he works. He's a okay. go-tech. Okay. They do do this. But, you know, I looked. And no one else... You can't do what we do if you're doing a retail service model. Because Just because you're, you're spending so much time on it and... Right, and it's not profitable. Right. My business is not profitable it's right. not meant to be and so i'm not out here trying to make a bunch of money but now it's going to pay for the hobby yeah you know? absolutely i
0: think i think we all have experienced that going to a bow shop either one they just make you feel stupid for asking a question i've felt that before or two they want to fix your problem
1: as quick as they can and get you out the door right and that's my thing i don't understand you know you go to you go to a, your car's got a problem you go to a shop you expect you know, expertise, not to be told, ah, you really don't need a starter. And that's something that, you know, customer service is something that's really important to me in my day job. And, you know, Mm -hmm. we're, we're the government and we're working and representing our constituents their concerns matter and you pay really good attention to it and you work hard for them. I expect the same from others. I just won't go back. But, you know, if you're selling 300 bows out of a shop, are you going to super tune 300? No, you're not. Yeah. But not everybody needs it. I'm not for mm-hmm. everybody. Right. I am. That is a blanket statement. Um, you know, if you're just going out a couple times a year, get in the woods, but you don't need Ozark Artry to do that. Yeah. But, if you're mad because you can't hit the elk at the John L. Hunt Range in Springdale <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because it's at sixty yards and that's too far, we can help. Yeah, so.
2: yeah, that's cool. And and I think it's a it's a fair to call out. It's not it's not that we are calling out other archery shops it's it's a different business model right right? absolutely it's like they they make money by selling bows not by tuning bows right whereas you are modeling your business around tuning bows and you're trying to help people become better
1: archers absolutely i don't have a matthews or any other bow dealership i i keep all my money local here in the region when i buy bows i bought a lot from them and i'll keep doing it until that model changes and so it's um, there's still things that I need sometimes, and I'll go and I get it, especially if I'm in a pinch. But um, a lot of it now, with the exception of the bow, I can buy everything online. Yeah. Why wouldn't I? Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Cool. Well, I think that's um, that's a good it's a good time to to get into the nuts and bolts then of of what you do. Yeah. What makes you different? Um, you know, I I went to your website like I said today. It looks great. I, w- I just went through and I wrote down all the su- services you offer and I kind of just want to go through them one at a time and um, what's what's impressive to me about what you do is and it, and it comes through clearly through your your website is the attention to detail that you do on on tuning these bows and super tuning these bows. Um, so the first thing that you offer uh, and one of the packages that you offer is super tuning a bow, correct. And, and that is kind of like, that's like the um, the premium, that's like the full package, right? When when you sign up for the super tuning of the bow, that's, you're getting like the full, the full deal, right? Absolutely. So talk to me a little bit about what exactly is super tuning a bow? How does that compare to just tuning a bow? What is that?
1: So tuning, you hear a paper tuning and um, you go buy a bow at a shop, they shoot it through, they wiggle your the rest around until it creates, you know, perfect hole with four tears it that what does that mean to me that means the air is stabilized <laughs> and got through the paper mm-hmm. or it hasn't quite got a chance yet there's a paradox when an arrow has that much pressure coming out of it from that energy from the bow you know it's gonna wiggle and it's gonna tear for you know troy fowler's uh, 21 feet if we found that to be close and so that is uh, seven yards okay but you go through, there are thousands of ways of tuning, and there's a lot of ways to skin a cat with this. You know, there's there's different outcomes. French tuning that you may not have to bear shaft tune. I've been heard, I've heard a lot of people, and a lot of people I look up to say, you know, we don't believe in bear shaft tuning, we just believe in broadhead tuning. Well, money doesn't grow on trees for me. If I'm on a tune with broadheads, I'm about to rip some targets up. And so I can accomplish the same thing with a field point and save my target stock. Right. That's not why we did it, but... Um, it was just the line we took. So when we say super tuning a bow, what I what our end definition of that, when we call the bow done, is we'll take an arrow that does not have is it okay to grab props during this? Yeah. Go All ahead. Right. Absolutely. You can take that question out of the podcast. <laughs>
0: yeah. I'm excited to get to that later too. I asked him to bring his bow, just give us a quick run through yeah, of the setup.
2: Absolutely.
1: But when we take
2: So you're holding an arrow here.
1: Yeah. We'll take an arrow, and what we'll do from here is we've built it. This is a tuned arrow, meaning it's spinning, but you'll see where it's resting on my finger. It's got its leverage points up towards the front, not the middle. Mm-hmm. Right. That's because this is actually, and I'm, I'm tickled that I got to it, but I'm a little draw, I mean, 27 and a half, but my arrow is sitting. When I draw, and there's your rest, that mm-hmm. arrow is coming back to the rest. I don't stick it out in front of the eyes. Hmm.
2: Okay. And I want it short a shaft. So it's coming shaft. all the way back to where you're, basically your hand is at right, right there.
1: Okay. And I don't do that for everybody. You okay. know, if they want to do it, that's fine. But I'm trying to stack front of center. Okay. Think about a spear, how it works. You throw a javelin out. It's got a heavy weight on the end. It pulls. It's, this is not just about hit, but also about pulling. Right. So and, we'll take...
2: Real quick. Yeah. Front of center. I just want to make make sure we're keeping the audience along with us. Yeah. Front of center, for anyone who doesn't know, is what?
1: Front of center is what's the percentage of the shaft that's on the tip? And so the nose of that arrow. And, you know, it's funny. We think about, us humans are so funny when we think about it. History always repeats itself. We make these circles. And, you know, the example I like to use is historic districts. You look at how a historic district is built. You go to any historic downtown, what happens? Every front porch is lined up. It's about neighbors. It's about walking. It's about being oriented. We got away from that mm-hmm. when sprawl happened and neighborhoods started being built out away from the cores. Where does everybody want to be now? Back in the historic districts near downtown. Right. It's about the community. Yeah, Back, you know, in the 70s and 80s, maybe even early 90s, everybody was shooting al- aluminum arrows. And they were really heavy and pass-throughs were just common. We didn't have mechanical broadheads, but it was the weight that was doing that. I mean, they were shooting these heavy, heavy arrows. And so... What we'll do is we consider this perfect. We take a bare shaft. We actually add electrical tape, more detail here, (laughs) to the back in the exact footprint that your fletching is going to sit. Okay. To the exact weight of those three veins. If you're shooting a nocturnal, I'll put the nocturnal in, or I'm going to add weight inside of this stock knock to replicate the exact mass of that arrow. Okay. Is this a perfect model? No. If it was perfect, I'd be the exact length that my broadhead was. Right. But I, I don't know how to do that yet. Yeah. No, that's a good idea. I need to figure that out. So, in <laughs> um, looking at this, and then we'll shoot through paper at 20 yards. We start and then we walk back because we don't want to lose anybody's arrows. Right. And, but if you were, it's so interesting because if you were to take that first shot, you're probably going to have a 10 inch to a foot tear in that paper. That arrow is traveling like this. Yeah, (laughs)
2: because it's not, it's not going straight. And in theory, if an arrow passes straight through a piece of paper, you have a bullet hole.
1: Correct. And it's, it's traveling like this because there's no veins to correct it. The wobble you saw on your flight was, I would be willing to bet from an untuned arrow not the bow okay and mm. so if that arrow doesn't spin absolutely perfect and if you were to put a head on it we actually take a broad head and we'll put it up against a flat surface and spin it that tip better not come out of where it's pointing if it is something's wrong let's fix it okay. and so if we can do that that's super tuning and so is this where you wanted me to run through the package now
2: yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. Well, what is super tuning? Yeah. What is your package?
1: What so you we, the super tuning package is our best bargain. And um, it's something we're looking at it. We charge $250 for it at my price. And I'm probably going to have to do it again. If I keep getting interest, you've got to get to the point where obviously I'm undercharging here. Yeah. And supply so, and demand. Right. And um, we, it first starts with figuring out what their goals are. And what I mean by that or what are they trying to accomplish? Do you have a problem mm-hmm. that you've experienced? You know, maybe you shoot great out to 40, but you get 50, 60, 70, and your groups fall apart. Okay. Yeah. Uh, maybe I can't hit the deer, or maybe I can't get a pass-through on the deer and I'm wanting to make sure I'm the most effective hunter I can be and the most ethical hunter I can be. And once we establish all that, and I get some to go, I just want to go to the heavy arrow thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, that, um, that's a common one. Right. And that's fine. You know, if somebody wants to run a 700-grain arrow, I'm happy to build it, and we can tune that. Yeah. But there are some that are too light for us that we can't tune and we won't do. And mm, so okay. um, Our... Package first starts with a consultation, but the biggest thing that I go after is, you know, somebody'll send me, well, I'm I'm my bow's seventy pounds and I'm a twenty nine inch draw length. Yeah. Draw length increase is not a this is not a competition. If we have to go down, it's okay. No one's yeah. I mean, I'm twenty seven and a half. I had twenty seven inch mods last year, so little shooter here. Mm, yeah. There's nothing to be wrong. There's what nothing- draw weight do you do shoot. So Matthew's mods, if you've tuned them right, uh, traditionally if you go buy Matthew's off the shelf, you draw it back, it's going to be three to four pounds over the list. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so that that V3X behind me is pulling back at I think 72, but I'm not done with it, so I need to add a few more cable twists. I want to get it back up to 74.
2: Okay. Gotcha.
1: And once we establish what that person wants to do, I'm actually going to ask for a picture of them at full draw and what they feel their proper form is. Okay, That's going to tell me, and I've seen surprising, some people that you've got a two or three inch draw length and they lean in way back, oh, we're going to change your life. Yeah. Or if it's too short and that front arm is bent, then we know I'm going to change your life. Yeah. But I had one. Well, I actually visited a guy over the weekend, and uh, he told me he had absolutely no idea. I said, well, what, what site do you want to go with? And I don't know. I'm greenhorned to this. He pulled it back, and I was just like, Blank, this guy's name. You've got better form than me. Um, we're good on here. We're not <laughs> mm-hmm. touching it. Well, his bow strings is stretched, so the ATA was too long. But I said that's fine. We need to measure and know so we can bring this back once we get into spec because I'm going to need to make it draw length a little longer.
2: Gotcha.
1: But I mean, it was beautiful form. Yeah. Um, had just I not total just, greenhorn. Absolutely, I'd been hunting for a few years, but never tried to get interested in it. Once we know, that's critical to me because I need two pieces of information. What's your draw length so I can determine how long your arrow is? Once I know how long your arrow can be and what weight you want to be at, we can determine spine. Spine is critically important. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of folks you go in, you see, you're not going to see many 250 spines, which is what this is. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can feel it. It's very stiff. Mm -hmm. And
2: spine is stiffness of the arrow in in how much it flexes when Uh when you shoot it.
1: Or how much it does, uh, yes. Or doesn't, right. Yeah, that the mm-hmm. sucker doesn't I flex do the same arrows, actually. The what spine is that? That's a 250, 250 spine. And so what we do on that point is our, we start, if we know, we've got to get stuff ordered. So it's getting strings, if you want to guarantee. It's either Gas, Ghost XV, or the Freak Shows. Um, I'm excited about the Freak Shows. Mm-hmm. It's a new offering from Gas. They partnered with Jesse Broadwater on.
2: Okay. Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, really excited about that. But um, we got to get all the parts in. This has been my biggest challenge is finding Victory Arrows here. Um, Yodi Outdoors has them and they've been awesome and I've been securing as much as I can through them. You just, you cannot buy these online Mm -hmm. per Victory's policy. Are there places online where you know how to, what the trick is to get them and you're not breaking their rule? Yes. And we can help there. Okay. And so if you can't find these, um, Yodi does make a few orders a couple times a year. So they're a great source, but we can help you source these. Okay, got it. Once we get everything in, we take the bow out, and I've got to fit draw length. And so we'll work on them with that. Um, and once we have form assessment and we know the draw link's perfect, I can get them in a T form, it's going to be proper, we take the bow and you leave. And we go home, and I don't necessarily always have an end date back. Um, it depends. Some bows behave, some bows don't. I had one last year. I wrestled on the press for six hours one evening, and I could not bring it into spec. Mm. Wow. The string was made an eighth inch too long. Wow. And I couldn't twist it up anymore. And just a mistake. People are or manufacturers are humans too, and I needed a new set of strings mm. on it. Yeah. Once we replace the strings, um, I'm going to shoot the bow 250 times, which is excessive. You, <laughs> yourself, you're shooting it 250? Um, the last one I just did, I did. And then um, sometimes we'll not go and we'll knock this out in like, you know, an hour in an afternoon. And, you know, me and Matt, the guy that um, I couldn't do this without, calling yeah. call him my shooter. But, you know, we found this thing. Um, we'll just play past the bow. Yeah. He'll shoot 12, I'll shoot 12 <laughs> or six and six. It's a great workout. But I
2: bet I'd, it is. You got to be sore the next day.
1: And we want to just get them set. I'm, I'm not expecting much stretch, but I'd rather get that out of the way before I do the hard part. Once we do that, we're going to, we need to build arrows so that we can actually validate this process. And, you know, arrow building, I'm sure we'll talk more about that later, but I include that. I'm going to cut them. I'll do the inserts. I'll make sure they spin and they tune. And if it doesn't spin true, I'm not going to fletch it. I'm going to put it back in your box or I'll make it a coyote arrow for you and uh, send you home with it. Yeah. I actually left black eagle arrows because of that. I would buy a dozen black eagles and I'd only get nine out of them. I've never thrown an arrow away with victory. Really now, there's some that will not go in my hunting quiver, but the imperfections are, you know, so minimal. Mm-hmm. Um, they they're just a phenomenal company. They build a really great product, and the big thing about why is they're spine aligned. Mm-hmm. And so we talked about that spine was stiffness. Well, when the carbon arrow gets made, it's getting rolled. All that carbon's going to meet and create a hard point. I want that up, and I don't have a spine tester. If somebody wants to buy me one, I'm happy to do it. But it's like. <laughs> $400 for this little thing that just tells me the straightness of an arrow. Yeah. And so now I know because they're spine aligned, I can fletch stiff side up and every arrow is going to react the same. And mm-hmm. that is critical. When it comes out, it's going to flex and do its thing. But I need it to react the same. From there, once we get your strings and cables set, we actually get to do the fun part. And that is where we finally we microtune the draw link to get it exactly where. And so, you know, Half-inch mods are great, and that's what Matthews offers. And I'm going to be very Matthews-heavy, but we can tune other bows. Um, now, if you're going back and, you know, I had somebody bring me like a 1984 Fred Bear and say, I want to bear shaft in this. I can't. <laughs> I don't think anybody, I don't think Fred Bear could bear shaft a <laughs> bow. Um, doesn't have the latitude of adjustment that these do. But I had a, a gentleman with an older Elite come in and say, can we do this? Well, yeah, I can manipulate the cable guard. We can make this work yeah. in that We'll fix tears. And so once we get that, but the other thing I'm very passionate about is cam timing. It's critical for us when we want the arrow to come out. If I get an up or down tear, I'm going to be surprised. Um, I'm pretty particular about cam timing. And so I want the cams to hit at the same time. When I say hit at the same time, if I put a playing card in between my stop and the cable, I want both cards to fall at the same time. Sometimes half a twist is too much. And that was a tune that, that was actually a trick that really helped my page grow that I posted a reel on of being able to actually, let me grab my bow. Take the bus cables of a bow which are these that control? Really, um, they're the workhorses here. Yeah, helping to throw power. It's not the main string; it's the strings inside. And so, what I'll do to shim that timing is, we'll put the bow in a press and we'll just slide little peep tuners or pieces of D loop in mm-hmm. this string to shorten it that much. Call me crazy. Look at Levi Morgan's Instagram post. He does the same thing. Mm. So, it's something. It's something that we do on. And that's to correct up and down tears. Okay. Um, I, I, I say I don't move the rest. I don't move the rest horizontally, so left and right. Hmm. Now, I will do it up and down if I have already tied in knock sets and I really don't want to move it. I'm actually will probably do a lot more of that. Um, and the reason what I'm talking about with knock sets is actually the next phase of this. So once we know the timing's perfect, I set the draw point. Smack between the axles. You might have heard in your in your your ventures and hunting. Run the arrow through the burger hole. Everybody. Yeah. Uh-uh. Mm-hmm. I'm like in the bottom middle of that. I'm running the arrow in the middle between the axles. We have a big triangle here. Yeah. I'm trying to create leverage. Mm, right. And so. Real quick, were you explain
0: yeah. explain what the burger hole is?
1: Yeah. The burger hole is a hole that is in the shelf of the bow on the riser, right in the middle of it. In some bows, sometimes it's further back. It's a reference check. It's an industry standard. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like all cars got airbags now. All bows have burger holes. Right. So it's okay. that. It's just that same checkpoint. That didn't Didn't something we came up with. I was listening to On the Line podcast, which is a fantastic podcast mm-hmm. with Levi and Andy Morgan. And Levi was talking about, I set it right between the axles. I don't run through the burger hole. Like, well, if... The greatest archer of our modern time is sitting there doing this. Why not? Why not? It doesn't take me any extra time to do that. Yeah. So once we get that set, we get to the fun part. And that fun part is, um, actually, there's one more. And this is why I needed my list. The next thing, we have to control anything. And we need to get anything out of the way that could influence a tear. So we need to set your stabilizers up. Not after the fact, and I'm going to go buy an accessory and add it on. And, oh, this looks cool. We need to do this now. Huh.
0: Mm-hmm. Usually, people add that on, one, like, an, as an accessory handy. or change out stabilizer pretty regularly. Yeah. A
1: four-inch little doinker thing is not a stabilizer. I'm sorry. It has to create leverage when you stick huh. out
0: there. That's what I've got on mine. My- <laughs> <laughs> so, speaking of that, do you have you ever shot the flatline stabilizer,
1: Matthews? Yeah, yeah. Math and my. I- um, my shooter and my lifelong best friend, Matthew, he's actually, and you look at his elk picture, he shoots a flat line off the front okay. of it and he shoots a bee stinger out the back, but he's weird. He runs a longer back <laughs> bar than the front, but uh, okay, that boy can, and if you choose us, he's going to be finalizing your bow and mm. shooting, but gotcha. you know, you sit there and you practice every day and you're shooting at a dot this big at 93 yards. Wow. It works for mm-hmm. him. Wow. It works well. Impressive. <laughs> So once we get this set, and this is really where we're monitoring pin float. And what I mean by pin float is if you've ever drawn a bow back and you put it on the bullseye, you notice it doesn't just stand still. That's natural. And a big part of that is you have to accept the movement. That's a Levi Morgan quote. In doing that, um, here we want to minimize pin float as much as possible because it causes anxiety, and that float is actually can induce target panic. Yeah. So target panic is an archer's buck fever. Scary. Um, I get it every year. Really? I, uh, huh? I, absolutely. Impossible with this, but we'll get to that. Okay. <laughs> that's actually why I went to that. Um, so it, if. Um, the stabilization, it's also very helpful to shoot accurately. These are your best friends. And this is so I personally use Cutter, their company um, out of the West, I believe Colorado. Great small business, build really stuff, but stabilizers aren't the most ideal stabilizer would be weigh nothing and then have a bunch of weight on the end.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Well that we have to go to the next best option, which is carbon. And so they build a really great solid product. But once those bars are set, now we get to actually start doing what everybody came here to. And so we're going to bear shaft in the bow. We're going to start up close and we're going to shoot through paper. And um, one of the things, and I'm going to make it a point to try to get YouTube videos out this year, um, we really are trying to take the approach we hide nothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, We didn't invent any of this stuff. Again, we just paid attention and wrote it down. And yeah. we'll cite my sources when I do it. But we look at... When we have a left or right tear, our initial reaction is, you see, move the rest. I mean, you see some world-renowned archers saying, move the rest. Well, then why do top hat systems exist for Matthews where you can shim the cams? How come Hoyt builds these? Why did Elite, and Elite's really doing a great job here, build their new, I believe it's set technology, where I can actually move my cams by twisting an Allen key. Why did Bowtech do that too? Mm. And so Bowtech did it where it's actually on the limbs, where you're turning a bolt that's applying pressure to a yeah. limb to fix these tears. Well, obviously, we're not crazy if these companies are doing this. right And so it's um, if we shoot a bow and it's got to tail right. And again, don't quote me here. Actually, let me speak accurately. Mm-hmm. This is a big, this is another tip for folks, you know, if you're perusing the internet and you're looking for these answers and you find the answer, create an album on your phone, mm. line it, label it tuning guides or something that you won't forget. This is what I, I'm literally using Google to super tune your bow. Yeah. Um, I love it, how
2: honest you are. You're like, oh, you're yeah. like lifting the veil on some of these things that just seem super complicated, mm-hmm. but they're really not. Right. Yeah. And seem really not knowledgeable too, but. It's not like you came
0: up with these things. No, I didn't come
1: up with anything. Which,
0: which to me, is huge—just very genuine,
1: transparent. Well, it's the Google approach to running a business, too. (laughs) Yeah, it really is, and that's um, that's a it's a phenomenal book. But you know, Google's main service is free. There will always be a need for information. There will always be a need for labor. But you know, if you can really show transparency and give people the time, they're going to come back. Yeah, and they do.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
1: And um, so we get in that. So let's say the tail's kicking right. Well, that those cams are applying force, and that arrow is coming out of the bow sideways, and it's kicking its tail to the right. And that head, which is our heaviest part, is wanting to go left. So it's it's literally going, no, flying mm. through the air. Yeah. So I'm going to move the cam to the right, and I'm going to keep doing that. And so you look at these top hatch shims, We're talking... Millimeters, it's moving it. We start with one, we'll do the other one, the top one, if we need to. But we're just moving the cam until the arrow travels straight. So we're just moving the cam right or left. Matthews, it's top hats. Hoyt, it's top hats as well. They cut, I don't know, they they don't call it top hats. Their spaces are a little bigger. But with some of the newer elites and Bowtex, you're seeing an option where you don't even need a bow press. Again, defending and something we'll talk more about later on you know, getting ready for direct-to-consumer yeah. and what that means for a bow company. Once we get it where it's shooting great, um, we validate it. So one's a fluke, two's great. We have to be able to reproduce it. You know, even Matthew, who's got the best form I know, and Matthew being my co-founder, he can't do this on demand twice in a row. Yeah. You take him a few shots. But once we do that, we go, okay, let's try our long range. So we'll put a broad hit on. And it has to be the exact weight, and we'll shoot it. You're still bear shaft at this point? No. Oh, okay. You cannot ever shoot an arrow, a bear shaft arrow with a broadhead on. I was about to say <laughs> that needs to be in the description of this podcast. Okay, that is warning. The, warning. Warning. Well, that's
2: why I asked because I was yeah. I was worried we were still saying so yeah. not in your backyard. Either. We're fletching. <laughs> okay. We're fletching
1: to this point. We fletched to the natural rotation of the string. Okay. Um there is there. I will say, kudos, There are there is one bow shop, um, or potentially two in Northwest Arkansas, that actually have a left fletching jig. You know, when an arrow spins right, which is what everybody does, when it spins left, what did I just do? I unloosen my point. Yeah, your point comes off. Yeah. Well, no, your broadhead's not going to pass through and come unscrewed. It's not going to rotate that many times. But how do we determine which way to fletch? We shoot the bare shaft. And as we talk about on our website, you'll just, if you take your arrow and you knock it, draw a Sharpie line on the top of it facing up, shoot it into a target three feet away from you. Which way did it rotate? That's not us. That's a Levi Morgan tip, again, yeah. from BowLife TV. So it's, and we take that, but from there. Once it's done, we've got your arrows tuned. We will then apply broadheads once we fletch the arrows and we'll validate that and Matt will play around and shoot at long range to make sure it's grouping. Um, one of the things I like to do too though is I'll send my clients home with a bear shaft. Because if they could you can make a paper tuner with a box and a piece of computer paper. You do not need anything fancy. I literally use PVC yeah. and uh, and some rolls of paper from Hobby Lobby to do this. But if this is a great tool because this doesn't, you can't hide behind this. There's nothing to correct it. So it's great form practice. If you can't recreate that, it's something in your grip more than likely. And so you work on that grip, which a proper Matthews grip is very uncomfortable. It's almost like you're choking with just the web. You don't grab like this. You hold it like this. and It's not comfortable. But when you can recreate that shot, you know, okay, I've got something and I can proceed to hunting. We send the bow home at that point, and we ask everybody, my final uh, tip is, go through the School of Knock. Your bow just, you're not going to recognize the bow. It's not going to feel normal. And if you've ever bought a new bow, you'll know it takes time to get acclimated here.
2: Yeah, absolutely. We
1: want people to go through the School of Knock afterwards. But at that point, the tune will hold for a year. What is the School of Knock? So John Dudley, world-renowned archer, recently shot for PSE for a long time, started with Matthews. And then, and now he's moved back to PSE, and he's re—he's helping them rebrand and um, putting out some really slick stuff. And he runs the YouTube page and the brand Knock On Archery. And so, if you've seen the little knock that looks like the Rock On symbol, yeah, that's John Dudley. Knock On TV. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. But and John's really too. He's another one of those you know professionals and industry professionals that he didn't hide anything. Everything's for free. You know, you can literally pay money for a guide on how to tune a bow and that just pisses me off. You know, <laughs> this is not witchcraft. We're not trying to, you know, you shouldn't have to pay for all this in one place, but we'll fix that by building one, hopefully in the next year that doesn't cost a dime. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. So that's super tuning. Hmm.
2: Very cool. Um, in your opinion, what what is one of the most Fa- overlooked factors of properly tuning a bow that you, you think archers don't pay enough attention to? Draw length,
1: period. Mm.
2: Without question.
1: Yeah. Because that
0: seems like the most basic. Right. You know, you Google something, it's like, well, measure your arms. Right. Do
2: some math. And,
0: and you Get find you close, it. but drawing
1: perfect. Okay. I,
2: how close is that? Like, because what is it? You divide by, like, <laughs> one and a half or
1: something S- like that? Something.
2: Or 28 and a half, or, Yeah. I don't, I don't know. know. I don't but know. But There's a, an some, easy number.
1: <laughs> yeah. And if you don't know... One of the things too, and I'd say draw length and form, your form. You know, I shot up until two years ago, I shot with a collapsed front right or front left shoulder. So I'm right-handed shooter. So the bow, the hand holding the bow was actually compacted up. Mm, Okay. I was aimed down like this and this was sitting here like this being bent. Right. I got weak muscles. My bones aren't weak though. Now that I'm in a T, yeah, I'm using bone structure alignment mm.
2: and much more stable.
1: It is and a whole better and that draw length and that was the biggest benefit of getting a press is playing with that. Mm-hmm. And I don't care if we spend an hour and a half trying to figure out what works for you. That is that is critical if you want to shoot good at long range. And you know we've been criticized. You know, we shooting at you know 60, 80, 100 yards. That's ridiculous. That makes 40 a chip shot. And right. So
0: right. Yeah, anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So whenever someone goes through this tuning process, obviously it's a really thorough, well, I guess the long process, it depends on the bow. But how much time are you spending on the actual shooter?
1: Ooh, if you're here local, we're going to spend some time together if if you want to. You know, that first one, once I get a picture, I know where we're at. Mm -hmm. If you're in a good T-form and we don't see anything major that we would advise, and again, you don't have to. I just don't want to waste your money at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, If we see that there's... An issue. Um, we will then work with them to try, and it doesn't take long. Somebody to get the form. You know, another guy that I was a client last year. Never shot a bow. Horrible, horrible alignment, but great at um, learning, and could listen really well and apply what we were saying. Hey, do this, and all of a sudden we hear, oh well, that feels a lot better. Yeah, uh, and, <laughs> that's uh, cool. To see, and so, but yeah, draw length is so critically important, and. Uh, I'm sure, we'll get into more of that later. But my draw length, being me buying a bow and leaving a shop, and it being two inches too long, was my I've had it moment that made me buy the bow press. What? So what's that story? Yeah, so I bought a uh, bought a new Matthews up here a couple years ago, and I had only used my Halon thirty two. And again, I was using a Bowtech for the Halon thirty two out of stock art, and shot the Halon thirty two great, absolutely great, could group well with it at sixty. Got a few deer with it, but. The verdicts, I was in my buddy's backyard, and he had a 3D deer target, and I couldn't, I think I missed it at 20 yards. And I was, I noticed target panic happening to me for the first time. Yeah. And the bow, and I'm going to post, I'm going to do a post in the next week or so showing my picture of my, I didn't pretty. I mean, I'm, you've seen Weekend at Bernie's, I'm leaning back that far. (laughs) And so, but I couldn't hit anything. Yeah. And I didn't know what was going on. So I finally got the halon, drew it back, and took. A, I said, take a picture of me. And took the verdicts. Take a picture of me. Uh-uh. Not good. I was furious. I mean, my anchor, I was back here holding the anchor. Yeah, and, all the way back. But I was mad about that because I was allowed to leave the store in that thought that that was mm-hmm. okay. And Brand the, so new bill.
2: the reason was your draw length was two inches too short. Correct. Wow. Too long. Too long, right? Yep. Too long.
1: Yep.
0: Mm. Wow. Which Halon thirty two probably one of the better Matthews bows.
1: Oh yeah, um, um, gave it, and I'm excited I did because I've slightly got it back. I gave it to my nephew. He wanted a bow, and cool. um, but it, it's it's in the family. So whenever I want to build it back one day, I will because that'll be one I won't sell. But I can tell you this new one, it I I've always compared my bows that I've owned um, to the Halon thirty two, mm-hmm. uh, the the 33-inch V3X is going to take that place mm. without
0: question. Because people say, and I shoot Matthews too, but that all the new bows that they come out with are just a, uh, basically a copy of the Halon. Yeah, that that that's far from the truth. With the new one or with all of them in the past
1: 10 years? So they're running the line. This is still on the Halon frame. You can tell. Right. Okay. And so with that, though, um, where what really separates and what this bow is is I really don't like short axle to axles. Oh, it's great and compact in a deer stand. I promise I walk more than you in the woods, and it's never bugged me. And I'm running these big stabilizers. Yeah. You know, I'm on a sidebar here because this is funny. You know, somebody said you're running a 15 inch stabilizer out front for the deer hunting. Right. Yeah? Well, you're going to hit everything. <laughs> My arrow's a lot longer. <laughs> It really is. And I run a little arrow. That's a good point. So come on. Right. Um, And, um, but it, it, they, it, what's the trick with these new bows is actually riser length. And so this riser is the longest riser on an axle-to-axle ratio. It's actually got a longer riser than their TRX-34, which is a target bow. You see target bows, and they've got those long risers. They're mm-hmm. boards, and they're doing that for stability. Right. So they're starting to apply target technology over to a hunting rig. And um, I remember once I got my draw length out and I drew back, I just smiled because I knew life was going to be okay because that same – I mean, the bow parks. The pen parks really well. I'm, I'm finalizing my stabilizers right now so that I can start tuning mine. But um, that axle, that riser length is critical. Right. And so look at the 33, shoot them both, um, see what you like. But I would give up the convenience of a few inches that's sitting on my shoulders when I'm hiking in to know that if the pin goes on a deer, it's dead. Yeah. So, yeah, mm-hmm. that makes sense.
2: So one thing I want to just revisit uh, on bear shaft tuning, uh-huh. um, I've heard from people, anecdotally, and and just people who they they bow hunt and you know maybe they've been doing it for twenty years, thirty years, however long, and they say when they think about bear shaft tuning and they see all these people doing this, they say, you know, well, you want to practice how you play. Why would you ever, why would you ever bear shaft tune if you're never going to actually shoot your arrow like that in a competitive situation or in a hunting scenario? What what would you say to people who? Think like that.
1: Absolutely. I mean, there's, you don't have to do what we do, but you know, we talked about earlier. This is about with bear shaft, A, it's saving your targets. You're not shooting broadheads over and over again, ripping it apart. But B, I would say, okay, unless you have a hooter shooter, which I do not and will not, would love to have one. Which is a hooter shooter is a machine that can take you out and will shoot the bow automatically. You know, it's capable of robin hunting on command if it's set up right. Hmm. And so it's a really high-end piece of tuning equipment.
2: Yeah. Maybe one day I'll get there. It um, removes the human error, basically. Right. Okay.
1: It looks like a sawhorse that you'd see in a carpenter shop, but it holds the bow and you push a button and it goes boom. Yeah. And so <laughs> um, so with that, um, with the broad end, knowing that we're human and knowing we can't Robin Hood on command, um, bear shaft tuning offers a way for us to see imperfections that – Otherwise, I can't see in a broadhead getting shot at 20 yards. When I shoot a bear shaft through paper, again, take a pen. You move it in the most minute amount, it's not going to be perfect. So the paper is there just to tell us what is it doing, and it's a much more fine tune. We didn't always do that. I would shoot the fletch, then shoot a bear shaft. Right. But now I can be more accurate. So, you know, to each their own. The, is bear shaft tuning each bow 100% necessary? Absolutely not. It's not. But
0: mm.
1: it's one way. There's a lot of ways to reach perfection with AeroFlight or at least bring a bow to where it can perform at the highest level it can if you do your job. Right. But this is just one way. Right. So that's, I, what, that's I, what I was
0: going to mention. Yeah. You're trying to make it to a point to where you can't blame the bow. Correct. Correct. Absolutely. And is that possible? do it
1: every day i
0: mean that's just <laughs> that's, some, awesome. that's just really cool to think about that, that. Cool. well lots of people do super that. tuning provides one just a high level of detail and knowledge about your bow but two it provides you that confidence that if you're not shooting right it's you and you can't blame it on the bow.
1: right absolutely and confidence is key and that so gets big. into you know <sighs> since october 31st on public land up here i've put in over 300 miles on my feet and on my boots and so in doing that, if I'm walking that far and I'm working that hard, I'm paying this much to run this many cell cameras, my friends are doing it, we're, we're pooling our information together, those opportunities are rare, but you know, I was fortunate enough to have three opportunities this year, never got to the guy that we really wanted, but um, in doing that, um, if I'm in that opportunity and I'm going into a battle, I, can, I know I'm not perfect, but... If I can pick a perfect teammate, I'm going to do it. Yeah, <laughs> So yeah. That's where I'm headed. That's a really good point.
2: Yeah, confidence is so key. Um, I think we'll probably bring it up here in a little bit too, when we talk about coaching, form coaching, yeah. and, and what you do with clients. But um, let's move on to so obviously you do you do the super tuning, you do um, bear shaft tuning, but you also help people do custom arrow building. Yeah. Why do you do that, and and wh- what do you offer with that?
1: So, with custom arrow building, that's a simple service. It's not super expensive. Um, It really depends, and that's why we don't have prices listed. Because if you're shooting a more micro diameter shaft, this this shaft is .204 in diameter. So, this is a Victory Rip TKO in 250 spine, a V1, and the V1 is very important. I'll get into that. I will tune arrows and fletch them, and set the inserts. So this, this components that we're using here is actually a 75 grain iron wheel hit insert. I'm not putting brass, brass bends in there. It's got a 25 grain iron wheel collar and a 150 grain point on the end of it. And it's so a lot of it's 250 white grains on the nose. Yeah. But that's why 19% of the mass is sitting on the front yeah. or front of the center of the arrow and so and to do this and to get good bear shaft light the arrow has to spin perfectly and so this is your standard pine ridge archery spinner you see them on amazon buy one it's your best friend it's like five dollars and so no excuses here right but we're just spinning the arrow and we're watching that tip we're watching the tail sometimes we will assess where if it's not perfect is it on the tail end is it on the front we're going to cut from the end that's not spinning right and you know again back to you know folks that you know really want to make sure we're color coordinating our bows all of our uh labels might not line up when we're done because <laughs> we're cutting off the unstraight part um we're, we can we can make it work without that i'm just teasing and uh and so we'll fletch but at that point we'll fletch their natural rotation we can i just have a jig and i've got a vein master pro and so I can do everything from zero to one to four. I won't do zero, but zero to one to four helical. Four degree helical is pretty dang aggressive. That's going to wrap around this shaft. Yeah. And so shot a three degree last year, moving to a two degree. I want to take a little spin out and see if I can't get some distance out of it. Okay. But we're happy to build arrows. And so we do that on a quote basis because if you're shooting micro diameter shafts where we have to have the outsert that flanges out, that's bigger than the arrow, um, they are a pain to set those inserts and we use hot melt too we do that now out of necessity because we may not have got it perfect and at least for broadhead alignment the client thing can take a lighter to the end of their arrow twist it shove it in cold water and it's done yeah so yeah so that's the custom arrow building not a lot to it but we can i actually did fletch 36 arrows this weekend so oh nice yeah got caught up on that
2: do you do you typically um I know it probably depends on the shooter and, and who the client is, but do you do you ever recommend like here's here's what I do, here's what I would recommend for you for your goals, or or how do you kind of uh, walk that line? Absolutely,
1: that's in step one of the super tuning package. And even if they're doing arrows, if somebody knows what they want, I'm not going to question it. Mm-hmm. But if you're doing the super tuning package, then I'll know. Okay, I know your draw length, and well, I think 250 would be too stiff. Okay, then I'm not your guy. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to go down and I'm not going to go against what I know is going to work because I'm not going to do something that I can't tune. I'm not going to risk my time and labor on it because Mm -hmm. we guarantee our work. So we talk about what their goals are. I get a lot of people that say, you know, I don't want too heavy. I just, I'm working on one right now. and I really tried to encourage the client to go above 500 grand. He said, no. And I said, all right, then 492, there you go. And so (laughs) we're getting close, but you know, I want to get a picture of him blowing through an elk or a mule deer or something. I don't want, you know, bloodline call the Arkansas Blood Tracking Network. They right. love expandable heads, by the way, yeah. for all of you <laughs> out there.
2: Um, I love that. I'm 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 a part of their Facebook
1: group, and I love just seeing their oh, stories. They're, and they're great. It's Man. an awesome little group. But you know, in that in the, that all that's to say that um, when we do this, you know the. With the broadheads, that's another area on the custom arrow building um, where we'll check that straightness, and we can tell straightness a lot more. So, you know, I'll put a silver flame, which is a very fancy broadhead by a company called Grizzly Stick. On the end of it, it's got a really fine point where I can assess, is it truly spinning well? Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's what we do. But we can do that to the point where, you know, if somebody wants them all lined up, and, you know, it's kind of like Matthew, my shooter, I run my broadhead vertical. He runs it horizontal because he can shoot so far. He's he's trying to get room on his slider to come down really close mm. to the head. Oh, okay. So it can go under it. Huh, yeah. And so it's um. So yeah, that's the the arrow. The custom arrow building is probably our most simple service. But, yeah. Um, looking forward to doing it if we can.
2: But it's important because I think I've heard it like, um, I forget who said this, but it's like the arrow is. It's the only thing in your setup that actually makes contact with the animal, right. with the deer. So it is, in some ways, it is the most important thing. If, if you don't have structural integrity, if you don't, you know, I could go through, I'm sure you know Dr. Ed Ashby, oh, yeah. his 12 factors of arrow penetration. Like if you don't have a good arrow, then you might, like, what are you doing? Because that's the only thing that really that makes contact with the animal. So you want to make sure at least that's good.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, the the example I like to use with folks is, you know, take Nolan Ryan in his prime. He's going to throw two things at you, a wiffle ball and a golf ball. You get to pick. I'm picking the wiffle ball. <laughs> yeah. It's about momentum. At the end of the day, this all comes down to, you know, a math out, math equation that no one paid attention to in high school and that's how to calculate momentum there's calculators now there's no excuse but mass plus energy equals impact and i don't care if my bow's not shooting 290 feet per second i don't care if it's not shooting 280 and at the end of the day if i have to go down below that i'm fine with that too Mm -hmm. because when the boat anchor gets there i want it to go through but heavier arrows are also quieter and so that's another benefit to it. But again, I'm not shooting a heavy arrow. This build is, don't quote me, I posted about it the other day on my Instagram, but I think it's 420 with almost 19% up front of center. So that mass being there. Okay. And if you're looking for the lightest shaft, I have not found one lighter than a RIP TKO. Yeah. Hmm.
2: Yeah. That is, uh, that's cool. Um, there was something, oh, you mentioned, um, you mentioned Momentum and and how that correlates with penetration a lot of times and when i first got into bow hunting uh, there's all those charts it's like well if you want to be able to kill a deer you need to at least shoot x amount of kinetic energy and you want to shoot if you want to shoot an elk you need this amount of kinetic energy right. and stuff like that but are those do those correlate with um, momentum or are those two completely
1: different things oh those those charts actually i think what you're referencing is easton's foc calculator online so, no, yeah and Yes, so they're those are they're not just correlated. They're I mean they're very correlated because Easton's saying big game. The threshold to get to that is the amount of momentum and the amount of hit that you're applying to there to that when the arrow gets there. And so again, I'm not perfect, but you know there's lots of people. Um, I don't you know really use the term plan B arrow if you don't hit where it's going. But if I get there, and you know that's a great group and probably a group that's here local that's got some really incredible content on arrow building is the United Outdoors um, group. We were talking about them before we got started. Um, And Rustin's got some great videos there, but they're shooting like 750 grain arrows And there's some stuff there. I mean, there's a video where he shot a doe in the chest and it came out the romp. I mean, and you're going, okay. Wow. (laughs) He gets it. He's a great shot too. And so that's another page I'd definitely check out because they've got some tips on how to build this. And arrow building is something that I think anybody is a great step who wants to get into learning their bow more. Build your yourself. Yeah. You can go to a shop like Southtown where I run up to to get them cut. I bought an air, I've actually bought a saw now because we've got so many coming in. But I bought a saw for I think it was like $150 on Amazon and it's great. Um, and mm-hmm. got to test it out this weekend. But building your own arrows, especially hot melt, and you know, I really am a big fan of using hot melt because I want to save money. If I want to switch, this shaft has been shot before, and so it had different inserts in it. But because I just need heat, I can take the components out. Mm-hmm. I don't risk damaging it. If you epoxy an insert into the arrow, the only way to get it out is to put a drill bit in the shaft and then shake it up and down. Yeah. You're going to break a window. One day it's going to happen, I know, and <laughs> I'm so scared when that happens. Um, I'm scared that what my wife's going to do to me after that happens. (laughs) But um, once you – it's a really easy way because especially, too, broadheads are not threaded concentrically. And let me explain what I mean. Okay, yeah. If I were to take this arrow that I've got in my hand and I take a pack of three fixed blade broadheads and I screw them in the end, the blades are not going to all line up at the same. Now, Schwacker fixed that and announced that this year's ATA show – um, their new signature series uh, from Levi Morgan um, is going to be that way. Okay, They're building their inserts. They've got actually a pretty slick system there. I just won't shoot a mechanical. But if you're going to shoot one, shoot a swacker. Um, it's uh, And so with broadheads now, with Hot Melt, somebody, maybe they you were shooting a single-bevel broadhead, which only cuts in one direction. That's what single-bevel means. Right. Um, and they want to go to, you know, your regular Muzzy. They're out, it's Walmart, and they want to line up where – They've at least got, you know, the cock vein and the cock blade of that broadhead in line. Right. With melt, you can just take a lighter, make a twist, and shove it in cold water, and Mm -hmm. you're done. takes us out of the equation. and makes you a little more um, self-sufficient. Yeah, yeah. That makes total sense. You should not have to go to a shop to do broadhead alignment or install a D-loop. And so that's something. That's probably what Mm -hmm. I'm going to go after next is let's buy some D-loop pliers, folks. You don't need to come see me to install a D-loop. Yeah.
2: That is a that's a basic, very basic place to start if, yes, if you want to get
1: into working on your bones. Absolutely.
2: Um, last thing I want to talk about from your, your packages is, and we, I mentioned it earlier, form coaching. Yeah. So you go through all the steps that we've talked about. You go through the super tuning package, or, or maybe it's just the custom arrow building, or maybe you just want form coaching in general, right? Yeah. You, you offer that as well.
1: Absolutely. Okay. From all ages, you know, I've had, um, okay. parents reach out wanting to get their kids lessons. I'm happy to do that. When the weather's good, I do that. Um, and we do, I'm going to start doing weekly shoots. We did them last year at the sport at the uh, Springdale Range, uh, yeah, but it's awful don't go there. No one goes to that range, and it's so wonderful. I can count on one hand the number of times I've been there with other people, but that is a massively underutilized mm-hmm. asset, and we should all be thankful exist in this region. Yeah, the first
0: time I saw it, I was driving on the highway, and I was like, holy crap, there's a big elk over there. <laughs> I didn't
1: know there was an elk walking around Springdale. And I'm like,
0: oh, that's like a 200-inch deer by it. <laughs>
1: But there are a ton of deer out there too. And so, one of the and things, are, yeah. especially during the rut, you have to be cautious of because they're just chasing around you. And yeah, uh, it's a great place. It's a great facility. And, um, you know, really thankful that Mrs. Hunt did that gift to make that possible. That's such a cool place. But, you know, you can go there and shoot at 100 yards easy if you want to. You can yeah. shoot at 150 and no one's there. Mm-hmm. And so, it, uh, and the planks are set up where, you know, if you're shooting at 50, you can walk back 10 and 60. and So I like getting there really early in the morning because I like to do weird things. And, you know, I don't like seeing Pyramid. the same sight picture every time. Yeah. And so I'll get out in the middle of the course and shoot back across. Um, um, and that's okay as long as no other people are there. Right. Yeah, you got to be careful. Absolutely. That. Yeah. Absolutely very cool so form coaching too if you're doing our super tuning package it's included but honest with you this is where I'm gonna spend the most time with, you, with somebody who's yeah. really trying to teach them you know we can do basic stuff on the basics of a bow all the way down to a hunter that wants to go to the most daunting aspect of archery and that's a hinge mm-hmm. I was so scared of this I'm still looking forward to holding that because I've,
0: I've wanted to for a while
1: and you see this ding here well this is ding I'm gonna tell a <laughs> funny story and he's gonna be mad at me and that's okay <laughs> But the best shot I know, you know, um, was wanted to try this. And I told him you should watch YouTube video on how this works. (laughs) He's at full draw and it goes off when he's back on his wall. Yeah. Bo throws the release into his house, slams it into his brand new truck. And he dings this. Oh, no. This thing costs $300, another 50 if you want the bracket. Wow. Mm -hmm. And so, um, yet, uh. We didn't pay attention to the instructions. I was scared of this. And I'll be honest with folks. I'm just now transitioning. I said last year I was going to hunt with hens this year. I didn't because my draw length is different with this between my other one. We because have to look at where the release position is. Yeah, My throat was over my index. This one's over my middle finger. Mm. And um, – so all the way down to this service, I'm sure we'll talk more about that guy, but um, that's something I'm really passionate about, and I'm giving it up. I'm giving up my thumb buttons now. I'm going to set this bow for a hinge where that's my only option because yeah. it's going to force me to go, but I'm really passionate about that. And so if you're doing the supertending package, we're going to do form coaching, but anybody at home, the best thing that I can offer to somebody that's impacted me more so than buying a bow press even is going through Knock on Archery's The School of Knocks, specifically season one, ep- the first season. You're gonna start and you're gonna hear somebody ask you to spend a week on your foot position. It's boring. You shoot every day and want you to look at your feet. In the next, we're gonna spend a week and we're just gonna focus on our front elbow, that it's in the right position. The front shoulder, we're going to focus on keeping it down, which is the hardest part for somebody like me that's collapsed this front shoulder for years. Right, yeah. This is normal. This is not. And At least that was for me. And so go through that school for free. It is in the home. Um, take a target. Make sure you've got, you know, I put a few holes in drywall. Accidentally trying <laughs> to shot through this target, and, and I shoot a uh, Reinhardt 18 and 1. but And just do it every day. And, but who doesn't like shooting their bow? First Mm -hmm. off, it keeps you in the game, but you never lose your shot. This is just like golf. People that don't play golf that say, oh, I lost my swing. This is the same thing. You can lose your shot. And so, Mm -hmm. um, and I'm really excited too because Total Archery Challenge is coming to Oklahoma for the first time on. April 1st, 2nd, and 3rd. And so tickets will go on sale for that Total Archery Challenge event. Um, and if anybody doesn't know what Total Archery Challenge is, just check out the hashtag or uh, look up their website. They do really extreme archery shoots, and you're mm-hmm. going to break some arrows. Yeah. And uh, <clears throat> But it's a lot of fun, and a lot of the professionals will be out there and a lot of the industry. My, all the major companies will have a presence there, and that's just a few hours from here. Yeah. So we're going to be going to TAC if we can get tickets in April. Yeah.
0: Uh, Real quick. Yeah. Um, for someone who's at home or really struggling with their shot or a novice to bow hunting, what's the most
1: common mistake you see? Draw linking incorrect. Yeah. Okay. What about form wise? Drawing being incorrect <laughs> causes exactly. collapsed shoulders. Okay. Causes anchor position to not be right. And when we say anchor position, you know, I've I've looked at, I look for a few things. And one of the things that I did um was I looked at people that I said, I want to shoot as good as they do one day. And I don't know if I'll be able to. I'm, you know, I'm a good shot. I'm not the greatest. I'm hoping this takes me to a different level. i hinge, I'm pointing at a hinge yeah, release. So, yeah. Because when I can shoot it last year, and I was shooting at one of the elk at Springdale with it, and I shot three shots with it, knowing my anchor was off, and it was three shots at 60, and the shafts were touching. I said, okay, there's something here. Um, and how that works, it takes me out of it, the equation. I can't make that thing. You can, but it's going to be ugly. The worst shot possible is a bad shot with a hinge but um, we'll get into how that thing works and so um, but the draw length impacts so much it causes poor form so I look at folks who I aspire to be mm-hmm. and I notice okay the, his head's straight up the, the string's touching the tip of his nose it's crossing the corner of his mouth the knock is in this no man's land in between the bottom of my chin and the bottom of my lip mm-hmm. I'll play my draw length until I can do that. Well, I had to get my front shoulder down. So I gained yeah. half an inch. this is why I'm 27 and a half now. Okay. Um, and so, and with the grip, if we if you hold a bow like you do a stick, that's a problem. You need to hold it here. It's gonna, it impacts where my it impacts your arm and where it right. is. And so draw length is the biggest, but also I guess the other big thing would be. Um, really collapsing the shoulder and the neck in to okay. look at your peep. So we're anchor hunkering down to the mm-hmm. string trying to find it. You should be able to close your eyes, draw your bow, settle your nose, and I'm a big fan of the bow archery nose button. Huge. I, and I strongly encourage it if you're going to run through our package. Um, and it helps us actually tune your bow too. Yeah. And we use one of those. Kyle Plunkett, he he just
2: put one on his this last mm. year,
1: and he he loves it. It's incredible because you can't dig in or it's going to give you a boo-boo. Um, they're yeah. sharp.
2: Yeah, they are.
1: Um, but in and all that, and that head being collapsed was something I probably see the most of. Okay. That and too long a draw links. People just, mm. no, this yeah. is a simple fix. But again, you know, some people don't want to cope with the fact that the solution is I'm going to lose speed because right. we have sensationalized speed as the end-all be-all. It's not. Mm-hmm. And it's not my opinion. Mm-hmm. yeah
0: mm-hmm. two things there I yeah. relate with one shoulder so I have a really bad left shoulder I'm right handed but I, I had shoulder not a shoulder replacement but um, I tore my labrum and I have some screws in there and it's always been less strong than my right which causes it to jam and and I don't notice it until I see a picture or a video of myself shooting and I, I just don't know how to fix that so what I've found I, I shoot I have 70 pound mods but I have them turned way down Way down, mm-hmm. or no, sorry. I just put 65 on and I still have them turned down mm-hmm. just because the speed's there, it, like it'll be fine, mm-hmm. but my shoulder just isn't strong enough. And I don't know the best way to either strengthen that shoulder or go down even more.
1: Absolutely. I think one of the things, too, you know, when you're compacting it, you're trying to scrunch that pain away, yet the muscle and the ligaments are still there. When it's dropped in and you lock the ball into the socket, mm-hmm. it should hurt less theoretically if yeah. you the form's right. Yeah. And so some of it, it may be, the problem with backing out limb bolts is you're changing the draw length when you do that because mm-hmm. you're, you're giving it more and you're creating a steeper st- string angle potentially. Does that matter? No. And one of the things I hate hearing is, the bow's more efficient maxed out. Of course it is. It's fully, you fully backed in and screwed the limb bolts and of course right. it's going to be more efficient. But backing limb bolts out can be perfectly acceptable. You can correct horizontal tears that way by backing limb mm. bolts out. Mm. And so, um, and when we say tears, paper tears. Right. For bear shafts. But um, that would be one. And I think too, what you, you, you said something that was really great there and it's a point that I really wanted to mention tonight. You said when you see pictures, You know what you don't see in archery shops? Mirrors. And we should have them there because I would not have walked out with a two inch draw length that was too long had I seen myself in a mirror. And so that's something that I do even to this day when I practice. Um, About once a week, I will set my mirror, I will set my phone up, put it on self, set it in the windowsill, and I'll draw back and record myself. And I catch myself going, Devin, that front elbow's pointed down a little too much. You need to bring it out. And I'll mean those little things. But you need to be your biggest critic if you want to get better. Yeah, it's constant improvement. Absolutely.
2: I feel like it would be really easy to, I mean, you see people do it all the time. They spend 1000 $2,000 on their bow, their sight, all their arrows, you know, all the upgrades. Right. And then they don't focus on their form. Right. And it's like. Why go through? Why spend the money? Why Why would you
1: buy a Formula One race car and not know how to drive it? (laughs) I mean, it's, um, you know, it's that same vein, but, you know, to your point, you know, I could add to it and say, you know, you'll spend $1,500 on a bow and then you'll go get Walmart or Walmart Arrows. Yeah. Yeah. Come on. (laughs) You can only reach the potential that you're both capable of achieving and you're playing a game of perfection that is impossible to win at, which is why a lot of people don't fall out of archery. Yeah. Um, You know, if I'm not good at something, it pisses me off. I want to get better. I want to practice. It's a challenge. Uh Uh-huh. I'll go to the range, you know, once uh, summer hits, I'll go to the range twice a week and I will force myself to go. But it's just good me time. It's my version of yoga, yet I get to let the boom go off when I fire. And, uh, (laughs) but it really is, um... It's to hold myself accountable. But the key is too is, you know, don't stop practicing in the season. Yeah. I did that this year and it cost me mm. so. Really? Oh, yeah.
2: How come? Is there a story there? Oh, there's <laughs> lots of stories <laughs> there. I want to hear this. Yeah,
0: I feel like we need to get you back on close to deer season and go through the deer stories yeah. as we're all starting to get get ready for it. Then, oh. That'd oh, be fun.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I've already started next season. I start now and I start now before it greens up. Yeah. This is when, you know, we've, I find the scrapes I didn't see. I can go into the areas I didn't want to go and, you know, find the trails. And so there's a note on my phone that says, you know, 2022 campsites that we're building. And the snow helped a lot a few weeks ago. Or last week that we got, we took it full advantage of that and spent a few days um, hitting a couple different public pieces to make sure that we could at least see tracks and use that information. It's a rare opportunity here. Right. Yeah, it's a good time to do it.
2: Um, I want to talk about... Um, Two things that, well, one thing you just said, we were talking about spending a lot of money on a bow and, you know, someone spends a lot of money on a bow, but then they go buy Walmart arrows. Mm -hmm. To that point, though, do you have to spend a lot of money to get good arrow flight?
1: No. Okay. That's a great point because if you're going to spend more money, I would rather you spend $400 on a bow. And then spend a couple hundred dollars building really great arrows focusing on your form. You're going to shoot a lot better than the other guy that went with a vice versa situation. And, you know, you know, I think some of the best bows that I've seen, even Matthews has their mission line and it's lower cost. You're not going to have a roller guard. You're going to have a cable guard. That bow is a Matthews and true and true. And it's tunable and so that's the big thing is bear archery twos really in the past few years stepped up and they're putting out some really slick rigs but they're doing it at different price points too Right. and so you know they've got a much more blue collar approach that you don't need to spend a lot of money on this spend money on your arrows and spend money on your components mm-hmm. um, that bow again is a machine that that bear can achieve perfection it may not have the tunability that a Matthews, a Hoyt, a or a Bowtech I don't know I've been giving Bowtech some shade this year they were <laughs> they put out there a ridiculous ibo speed and uh no, it, no. Yeah. <laughs> liar, <laughs> <Unachievable>. liar. <Pronto laughs> not on fire for that <laughs> uh, company but uh it's that's uh, a, a phenomenal point you know focus on your errors you don't need to go get a new bow you don't need the greatest and the greatest um i do it because this hobby enables me to upgrade every year but right. i can tell you this this bow of this year i will not sell it i, I haven't even Shot it past point blank, red, and I know it's not going to get sold. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Um,
2: and then the last thing I want to talk about was the hinge. You mentioned yeah. it, so I'm not super familiar with the hinge. I shoot a finger release, um, and I have since I bought my bow three years ago. Um, I think that's kind of like the starter package. I did upgrade my finger release this last year, um, to a, to a much nicer one that has you know zero trigger travel, and I feel much more comfortable with it. Um, however. I know that with a finger release, you know, you can run into target panic. Um, and are you saying that the hinge is something that eliminates target panic? Or, or talk? just tell me about the hinge because I, I don't really know a
1: whole lot about it. Oh, you can get target panic with the hinge. It's okay. just not as easy. Okay. So I'm holding uh, the hinge release, but I want to pretend it's a thumb button for the minute. I'm going to pretend that's the barrel. Okay. You think about the really sensitive parts of your body. The tips of your fingers are about as sensitive as it can get. And you're floating a pen over a little teeny dot way out in front of you. And your brain, and your brain is your biggest enemy at this point, it's not the bow, because we equate the pen getting on the bullseye is, now, go. Yeah, yeah.
2: Pulling the trigger. And, hmm,
1: I get target panic every year. I'm not ashamed of it. But I'm going to go through a course called Shot IQ with Joel Turner this year to hopefully overcome that. And so that's a that's a great shot series that's really advanced, but he's working on your brain. He's not working on anything else. So when I go in and you have a thumb butt pe- back to our thumb barrel analogy and I'm I can feel these little spikes. And so I see it. A boom. What's the tip doing? It's moving. Mm-hmm. I'm punching. Yeah. I'm moving my release point and I'm causing the shot to impact. Right. So with a hinge, let me grab, getting better at this podcast thing. I'm picking mm. up a bow now. <laughs> you can move that, that
2: shut Narrating.
1: And so with a hinge, and there's and hinge isn't the only way, and again, the hinge is just one release that's capable of shooting what we call back tension. I don't want you to shoot with your thumb, yet... You can. You look at Matthew doing it. He does not shoot with back tension, mm-hmm. but you know he played collegiate ball, golf, et cetera, and <laughs> target panic is, is not something he will ever have to be plagued with. Yeah. But we look at this hinge, how it would fire. So if I'm at full draw and I'm holding it back like this, I got to do it this way, how I hold it, and you're going to hear a click. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to reset it. Okay. So when I come to anchor... I settle my pen, and then I take my thumb off, and I'm just relaxing. Okay. And now at this point, I'm not moving my hand. I'm going to contract my back. It surprised me yeah. because I don't know when it's going to go off. Mm. And so you do that, you're going to send your arrow into your neighbor's house. And what I'm doing is I'm actually causing the hinge to rotate by rotating the hinge. But the click lets you know you're getting to the warning. And that's optional, right? click.
0: Okay.
1: I, especially with hunting, um, I want to know where it's at in the cycle. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: But the click is actually a really good thing to break your mind up. And so, okay, here I go. Yeah, getting close. That's what I say to myself. When I, uh, my shooting mantra, I don't have a new one, but something that's really easy to break your, if you're struggling shooting long range is you need to take you out of the equation. And so- when I float that pen, when I was shooting, I was actually shooting a Carter knock to it, which is the knock-on release. I'm a fan, if you can tell. Yeah. But I would say grip, nose, float, pull. And so okay. my grip, make sure it's perfect. Yep. My nose is on my nose button, floating the pen around that bullseye, and I'm okay if it's floating. Nine times out of ten, it's going to land where I want it. And then I'm pulling through the shot. Even with a thumb barrel, what I would challenge people to do, if you're shooting a handheld release, you don't need to go buy a new release. You just need to shoot it differently. Okay. Rotate the barrel as close as you can to the top of the head. Put your thumb over it like this. And then when you get back there, I want you to pull into it. Mm. Don't put your finger on it, but you're going to use your back to pull. Okay. You should see your release break after the shot. If somebody flails their arm out, that's theatrics. Yep. Nobody does that. Mm-hmm. No one. But your shot should go directly in shot with your paper. This, uh-uh. Yeah. I'm wailing my hand around. Yeah. But you should see about a little bit of a break. Okay. And you should not be able to control that. And so that's shooting with back tension. You're putting tension in your back. Gotcha. So That's I could, the key
2: thing. I could see how you would be um, a little nervous or scared to, to move to that type of release. Because you don't know when it goes off. You're pulling through it, and then it goes off when you get to a certain amount of pressure. It's not like a trigger where you're pulling it or like a like a gun or a rifle or a finger release. You're pulling through it and then it's going. That scares me.
1: Imagine putting it letting the bow down. That's what I was gonna say. That that's yeah. the big
0: problem, right? Because and maybe yeah. explain to people what's the difference in the weight that you're talking about. Like on the fingers, that's kind of how it goes off, right? Is Mm-mm. when you pull it back is that's it's how- with your index finger. Uh uh-uh. uh. Let me show
1: you again. Okay. I didn't explain well. So what you – a hinge release, what I'm doing is you keep. I keep all my pressure on my thumb and my index when I'm pulling back. Mm-hmm. This release in this scenario cannot fire. Right. In this scenario, it cannot fire. Now, if I get a little sloppy, it can. But in this scenario, it can't fire, and I'm pulling all the pressure at the top of the head. Right. I put this finger in. I'm not going to pull. So what I'm going to do to get to my click – I'm relaxing my index finger to get there. I'm not rotating. Gotcha. If I'm rotating, I'm doing something. I mess things up. I'm not perfect. <laughs> I'm getting back to this theme. We rotate it, we get it there. At that point, I'm just adding pressure. Whoops. I hit the mic. <laughs> that causes the shot. And so
0: But but I guess that is in turn releasing weight to the outside of your hand.
1: Yeah. Yes, you're letting you're taking the pressure hand. off the index. Yeah. And so, yes, you're right. Um, just don't manually do these things. You're asking for, but the, the, you can create a shot trainer with a with a stick and a piece of string. Mm-hmm. And if you got your draw length down, you can do this in practice. And so, but yeah. what I find is I shoot lights out with this yeah. because it's not me. I stop at the aiming part. This takes away my shot, actually causing the shot, which is where I mess up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so
2: let's let's take a step back. We let's take a deep breath, come back to the surface. We just we went through a lot of information there that was dense and it was rich information. It was really good stuff. Um, I want to just kind of recap and, and think about everything that you offer and, and all the information we just shared. How can what does this mean for the average bow hunter? How can people apply this and, um, and you know how can people ultimately become better bow hunters?
1: Anybody, anybody, and I'll say it a third time. Anybody can do what we do. Um, it is daunting. It's scary. It's kind of like you talked about with you know a release hinges are terrifying. You know, I get it back at full draw, and I remember you know the first time shooting it, just like oh, it's like the it's like the adult version of an evil jack in the box is what this is because you <laughs> don't know when it's going to fire. <laughs> but in all that to say. Um, anybody can do what we do. And so I think the biggest thing that we hope to inspire is get other people to buy a bow press and do this yourself. You don't need to buy one yourself. There, There's five of us. There's three of us now that use my press. And so you go in a hundred bucks, you're going to spend that on fast food in a month, yeah. depending upon your spending habits. Um, invest in yourself and fail and go out there and try things. You know, I have you know, I think the biggest thing is you can make a paper tuner, you could shoot a shaft through it and then move the cam. But, you know, that with today's, with the internet and YouTube, all of the answers are a click away. Mm-hmm. And so even to myself, you know, I I was tuning a bow on Saturday and I went by my own Instagram to find a video I did to make sure I was doing it right because I knew for that shot, I had said what I needed to do on cam timing. Yeah, And so take notes and... Uh, and, again, we're going to try and build some resource guides. But I guess my other, fo- my other encouragement would be ask for help. Mm-hmm. Ask for help all the time. Bow Only Outdoors, got a massive Instagram following, great YouTube channel. Um, helped me, and I, I don't, I'm convinced I would not have been able to get my front shoulder into the proper position without his help, Josh Flaster. Okay. And so um, ask for help, but go out there and try. And I think that's the biggest deal. When you are able to work on your own equipment, which is at the end of the day what we hope to inspire folks to do, you know, a failure, especially now that Matthews is doing stay a field system, et cetera, you know, uh, you know, when a situation comes up, it's an annoyance, not an emergency. Mm-hmm. Your D-loop braking should not warrant a forty-mile trip to a shop to tie a new little piece of rope on. Yeah, oh, that's crazy. This is simple. You should have D-loop pliers in your pack, which is what I do. But um, those little things, and just try. And it's okay. And but again, pull your resources. Um, that's really what I hope people can take away. You can do this. Join forums, ask questions. It's not really a Facebook group that's productive on this. It's uh, uh, Matthew's Brotherhood's a big one, but Archery Talks a great resource, and you have like twenty years of data sitting there on these forums. You just got to know how to go find it. Mm-hmm. So go out there and dare to fail. But and again, you know, if you want to shoot fixed blade broadheads and you're slightly interested, I promise you're going to get your money's worth for buying a bow press. Yeah, that is all you need. That, and I would also recommend a draw board a draw board enables you to draw the bow back without you being there and holds it in that back position. Oh, okay. So that's how we measure timing, stuff like that. Draw length. And, uh, we, yeah. Draw board and bow press is all you need. And a set of Allen wrenches. Yeah. That is literally it. Yeah. You got to have some Allen wrenches. (laughs) Yeah. For sure.
2: For sure. Well, cool. I think obviously, um, you have a, a ton of knowledge and and information about this subject and and bow hunting in general and, and bow tuning. Um, I'm looking forward to bringing you my bow. I have a Hoyt um, and us working through that because I I just want to get it to the point, like we've talked about, the bow is a machine. I want to get it to the point where I know the machine is operating correctly. So if there's issues and there's failures and there's things not going right, I know it's me. Like I can't point my finger at anybody else. So I'm looking forward to doing that. Um, But – one last thing, how can people get a hold of you? What's the best way to reach out? Even if they just have questions, if they hear this and maybe they're not local, how can people reach out to you and ask questions or, or get in touch with you?
1: Instagram's the most responsive. You can contact us on our website, but, you know, Instagram, I'm a constantly, you know, getting notifications from it. You know, I get people that send me a form picture randomly saying, can you help me out or what would you change? i happy to do that. Happy to, you know, counsel an aerospine and what direction you want to go. And um, how are these certain parts working for us? What have we found? Just reach out. Instagram at Ozark Archery is our handle. There's no space there. Our website, it's now up. You can submit a service request. That's going to take that initial phone call down from about 45 minutes to 10 because I'm asking all the questions I was having in a discussion.
2: Yeah. And it's thorough. It's good. I, o- I did it today, like I mentioned.
1: Ozkarchery.com. Okay. And um, mm-hmm. if I can figure out one of the things we want to add to that is actually upload a picture at full draw. To, in order to submit, so that we can go ahead and do that mm-hmm. assessment. Yeah. But again, you know, our knowledge if somebody is, has an issue and says, well, hey, I'm trying to fix this tear, what do I do? Contact us. Where well, again, it takes us two seconds and we're really trying to get information out there. But um, Instagram's the number one. Yeah. Cool. Is, the phone's not going to work most of the time. Yeah. There's robocallers <laughs> these days. That Heck, that's how up. I met
0: you, right? <laughs> With what? DM on Instagram. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. yeah.
1: Just send me a message, and we'll get you taken care of.
2: That's the way of the world nowadays. You I know. just reach
1: out on Instagram. Yeah, that's good.
2: Mm. Cool. Well, Devin, thanks again for joining us. Of and to our listeners, that's all we've got for you today. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, and make sure to leave a review. If you leave a five-star review, email us a screenshot along with your mailing address to theozardpodcast at gmail.com we'll send you an absolutely free waterproof Ozark podcast to support the show and gain access to bonus content, full length video episodes, exclusive discounts on merch and free stuff. Head on over to our Patreon website, which you can find the link to in our show notes. Check us out on Instagram and on our website at wwwinland uscom Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time.